Welcome to episode number 35 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Dee, and my co-hosts are Les and Lenore. Tonight, we're talking about choices and the reasons we make them. But first, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I'm consuming a Cumberland Farms iced coffee. For those not in New England, Cumberland Farms is like a 7-Eleven, but better. I had to get gas this morning, so that was the closest thing. And then I'm writing in a no-brand notebook with a Carandash Swisswood, which I know people yeah. <laughs> I know people don't like the smell, but I kind of do. You must have gotten um, a good one. Well, it smells like soy sauce rawhide, <sighs> which for some reason is good to me. But yeah, that's that's my medium and poison. So what about you, Lenore? I am eating some espresso M&M's, <laughs> which are not as good as I was hoping for. Um, and I'm writing with a green B2P on the back of some copier paper we claimed from the recycle bin because school's starting up tomorrow and I've got piles of it on my desk and it was convenient. Um, and the other thing I've been consuming is Luke Cage second season, which is so Ooh. stunningly beautiful. Like the, just the the aesthetic of this show, like 15 times an episode, I just want to hit pause so I can stare at the screen for a minute because it is so gorgeous. It's like this, you know, it's like a, it's like a, um, a black background with light on the, on the characters and light on the, you know, the, just like different colors of light reflecting on objects or coming through windows or whatever. And it's just this gorgeous, gorgeous cinematography. I think there's also a plot. Uh, maybe I'll notice that more the second time through, but right now I'm just staring at the beauty of the screen all the time. So that's pretty cool. What about you, Les? Um, so I've been, uh, my wife went out with friends yesterday and to catch up with them and she stopped by a cafe and picked me up a bag of George Howell coffee. So I'm sipping on that and it's delicious. Um, and I am writing with a zebra Delgard and a barren fig train of thought. I'm going to talk a little bit more and what's exciting about the zebra Delgard. So Dee, what's exciting for you? So two things are exciting for me. Um, First, I've been playing World of Warcraft a lot, and it's been really fun and great to kind of game again. It's been a great distraction. Um, but the next exciting thing is that Baron Fig has a new notebook coming out. I don't know. Are you getting this one, Les? I am. I'm looking forward to it. I love the idea of the three different... Um rulings i think it's all like in i didn't look closely at the at the email and i don't have mine in hand yet um but i really like the idea of the three different rulings on two pages or however it's set up it's just it sounds really cool um, yeah i'm not on the list can you tell me about it yet yeah no um well so i agree with you Les. it sounds really cool um it's basically it's called the wander dream journal i'm gonna read a little bit of their copy because it's Baron Fig-esque. Um, <laughs> Every night is an adventure. Each night's sleep is a chance for a new adventure. With the Wander Dream Journal, explore your deepest dreams, write them down, and let them inspire your waking life. Introducing page bars, uniquely designed elements that guide your journey with simple prompts. Keep track of your dreams with six variables, emotion, sleep quality, time, color, viewpoint, and type. 
Every spread in this notebook is split into three sections to help you recall, visualize, and interpret dreams. These three sections also use three unique paper types, ruled, blank, and dot ruled. So, yeah, I like the the makeup of the notebook, like the page bars and all that stuff. And But I don't dream enough to use this, so I feel like I'm going to repurpose it for something else. Yeah, I um, I don't remember my dreams if I have them, so... I'm, yeah, like you said, I'm going to repurpose mine as well. Yeah, no, because I when I do remember dreams, they're not things I want to talk about. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm, I feel that. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for this, though. Um, the when we got the email, they only sent a picture, I guess, of what they're going to use for their like main picture. They don't send any pictures of the inside and I haven't received it yet. So but the outside looks really cool. There's like a bunch of stars and like a crescent moon and then it looks like there's actually an elastic band strap around the book to keep it closed. Yeah, I'm um, really excited about that. Different. The yes. elastic that's that takes the Baron Fig uh, uh, journal to a whole new level for me. Yeah, like I I wish all of theirs had that because with mine, like I I've been journaling in one and I'm I'm past the halfway point, and I don't know, like it's starting to get because I I write pretty heavy handedly in the pages just I don't know like it doesn't stay shut like I like it to plus I shove like post-its in there and like other papers if I had that elastic I mean I could use a rubber band or something but it's not as pretty well that would bring it up the giant crepe rubber bands that I use on mine right have I given you one of those the big giant six inch rubber bands yes yeah I I have one actually right in front of me I I use the Baron Fig planner Mm-hmm. And I have to keep one of those rubber bands on the planner to keep it shut in my bag. Well, that's the other thing. I put mine in like the front pocket of my backpack. Mm-hmm. But even with that, it sometimes stuff gets pushed in there. And so, yeah. so, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. It's just that I think it's very niche. But like mm-hmm. Lenore had said off air, a lot of Baron Fig is niche. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean... I think that it'll it'll reach certain people that will enjoy it, and some people will just do a pass. I mean, that's just life in general. So, um, but no, I'm looking forward to getting it in hand. I should have it soon. So, but that's it for my exciting world, Lenore. Um, so I actually just got I, I ordered just used online a copy of Rebound, Creating Handmade Books from Recycled and Repurposed Materials by Janine Stein. And Les is actually one of the contributors to this, I should say. So she didn't know I was getting this, but um, I'm really really looking forward to reading this and, um, you know, and just kind of educating myself a little bit about the the structure of things and the techniques and the tools and everything, because this is something I haven't done. And, um, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, book i'm gonna say it's a really pretty book um the aesthetics of the book itself um are really nice as well as the really nice full color pictures in it and everything so i'm excited about that and i'm gonna be doing lots and lots of photocopying a little bit later this afternoon because school starts tomorrow <laughs> ah, yeah. so uh lenore you want to know a secret about uh rebound it's not really I a secret. All the secrets. So, okay, so in Rebound, uh, you know how there's the wooden sewing cradle she uses? No, okay. I don't yet. Well, you will when you look through it. Um, Janine Stein was one of the first customers for those wooden sewing cradles, and my dad makes them. Oh, really? I, I design. Cool. Yeah, I designed the wooden cradle, and it's based off of like a cardboard cradle that most most bookbinders use. Um, but I thought. 
huh, I bet my dad could make that out of wood and it would be better. And for probably like five years, he like <laughs> what would happen is I would sell them on Etsy and I would call him up and say, Dad, someone, someone bought a sewing cradle. Can you ship one out for me? He had like 25 of them and he just, he had them all boxed up and ready to go. And he would, I would give him the address and he would go to the post office the next day and ship it. Um, and he, I don't, he really enjoyed that. So anyway. That um, is awesome. So if you see any of those wooden oh, cradles, the ones that are made out of pine, um, are ones that my father made and they're actually pine from my father's farm that he this is really like this is my whole family is super nerdy like this and i don't think i've ever talked about how nerdy my whole family is my father cut the pine trees he has a mill on the property that hooks up to a tractor so he takes his tractor and he attaches it to his his mobile mill and then puts the logs through the mill um, at a larger size, and then he planes them down and makes stuff out of them. That is amazing. That is so cool. I'm really glad you told me about that. It's insane. So there are there are multiple levels of my family in that book. So anyway. That's terrific. So um, in terms of what's exciting, I wrapped up my comp book reviews for the season and I need to do a final report on the best of the best at the best price and I'll just drop the secret of what's the best the unison 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 books at um target are the best at the best price they so they're 50 cents they're 50 cents for the regular size book and with regular college ruling and they perform really nicely with both fountain pens and pencils feel great there's just enough tooth um, for pencil to feel really good on them. Uh, and I think they're, they're a hundred pages. It could be the 80 page, but I think they're a hundred sheets. So, um, they're just, they're just a great comp book for the best price. And then the best is still the Studio C or the U style at CVS. They're not the best price, uh, but they are, they do perform the best and they have the best paper. But the Unison, Best overall for the best price. Slightly toothier paper, not quite as smooth with fountain pen, but still for fifty cents, pretty darn smooth. Excellent. So, so I'm, um, how do they take Crayola twistables? I that's crayon, right? <laughs> yeah. I assume pretty well. I mean, it's, it's pretty standard. <laughs> I'm kind of joking because my daughter's um, back to school list this year specified that they had to have a package of Crayola twistables. Probably because the kids and, fight over it. Uh, well, it's also just because they don't want to deal with sharpening and, you know, mm. if they said colored pencils, you know, I mean, the teachers were talking about it at the like um, back to school gathering and they were like, because they last all year and they work and the kids don't break them and they, you know, but my daughter yesterday was like, I don't like the twistables at all. They're just not as good as regular pencils. <laughs> and I was like, well, they're not as good as regular pencils as if you have decent regular pencils. Wait, but. <laughs> Crayola has has like mechanical twistable pencils? I thought it was just the crayons. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, they're, they're crayons, but they're they're an, it's a narrow. It's, she was saying about um, colored pencils. She was ah. saying compared to colored pencils because she has decent colored pencils at home. That work well, sharpen well, have good pigment and all of that. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, they're using these in, they're using these instead of colored pencils, not using them instead of crayons, I guess. Is, ah, is okay. 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 So I was kind of joking about the twistables thing. You know, it was a little bit of a sort of gallows humor, but um. <laughs> I bet I, I bet they would perform really well. I've I've actually I have used the twistables with clients, and I hate them. I am. I don't like them at all. Yeah, it's so much wasted plastic. And, yeah, that, that was my thing. And if you accidentally leave them in your car, the clear. Um, they, the, the wax in them leaches out. So you get this clear blob of wax in, yeah. in the twist mechanism yeah. and it, it, it breaks because you can't twist them out past the blob of wax. Okay. That's only if you leave them in a hot car. So don't leave them in a hot car. That's my, um, FYI for you, I guess. Um, so I was in Walgreens checking to see if they had any, additional composition books after my last review they still only had the wexford which is really unusual so i think i think that the the combin how walgreens and rite aid are now combined into one has really thrown their back to school for a loop and not for the best um so anyway they still only have the wexford composition books which if you're looking for a standard composition book that works really well with both pencil and fountain pen. The Wexford is good, and it's the same composition book available all year round. Regular price is $2, which is a little cheaper than the Studio C. You only get the standard covers, not fashion covers, but um, it does work really well. Um, so when I was perusing the aisles cruising, if you will, looking for something new to buy, uh, because I was so disappointed they didn't have fun composition books because I needed to I had five dollars burning a hole in my pocket that I needed to spend um, I picked up the zebra Delgard for five bucks and I don't want to spoil my whole review but holy crap you guys it's really good it makes the the non-breaking mechanism it makes a Kurutoga look like garbage it that like I if you extrude the lead just the, like a normal amount, I can't break it. It just like, I, no matter how many times I press down or what angle I press down with, the Delgard mechanism swings in and saves the day. Wow. As, yeah, I was really surprised. And what, what size is the, what size is the lid? Uh, 0.5. Yeah, because normally I can't even like look at a 0.5 with intent of picking it up without the lead breaking. <laughs> right? Um, so the 0.5 worked really, really well. Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, and it makes me want to pick up a nicer version on jet pens. So I'm probably gonna um, order something a little nicer on jet pens. And even the nicer versions are under fifteen bucks. Excellent. So yeah. Anyway, uh, that's the end of what of my what's exciting. So tonight we're talking about choices and the reasons we make them specifically. What draws us to certain things, um, whether it's just pure aesthetics, whether it's utility, or that simple fear of missing out. So I'm going to start um, because I have a lot to say about this. Um, not too much because, you know, that would take forever. Um, but I did a lot of thinking about this topic and... It kind of came about because I was sitting in my office one day kind of organizing things and... I have so much stuff 
And 95% of our stuff or my stuff is not touched. Like I, I tend to gravitate towards maybe five or six of the same products. So it kind of made me think about like, how did I acquire this? Like, why did this all happen? Um, and a lot of it is fear of missing out. Um, it's being part of groups that when someone gets something new, they're excited about it. They want to share it. And then I'm excited about it and I want to buy it. Um, so a lot of my fear of missing out comes from people as opposed to advertisements or companies saying like, here's my new thing. Come buy it. Um, Personal accounts. Uh, really cool reviews of things, for example. Right, right. Sorry, Lenore. Five people I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know. Or, or listening to podcasts where they talk about all their right? stuff. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, That's so, part of the problem. So as I was going through my office stuff, cause I've organized my pencils by brand and then I have a pencil cup with what I use most frequently. And I'm really going through this phase of wanting to reduce the amount of things that I have in my life. Now that I'm kind of in this in-between phase where I'm done with school and I'm not going to grad school this year, I have a year to kind of not be sucked into the the world of stationary via academics. So I kind of just sat down and I made a list of the things I use monthly because I don't write often enough to say weekly. Like I don't handwrite or I don't use stationary enough. And like I said, that list is not very long. So I'm kind of in that process of figuring out what I can do with the stuff that I don't use. Cause a lot of times, um, I'll buy a bunch of things to review them. I use them for a week or so, and then I never use them again. And it's not necessarily because I don't like them. It's because I, I have my staples. So, um, as most of the world knows, one of my staples are neon casemates. I really just use that pencil most of the time, unless I'm reviewing something. So that's something that I can have three and a half gross of. I know that because I counted them. Um, but, but yeah, I just was curious as to, no, I mean, they're still in the package, so it was easy counting. Um, <laughs> well, cause like I have a stack of, you know, they're 12 packs and, um, yeah, I mean, all you gotta do is count it 12, three times. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, that fear of missing out, you know, kind of supersedes any other reason I make choices, but in a close second is aesthetics for me. And when I thought about that, I was like, well, great. So the first two reasons I choose things are things that have nothing to do with utility performance or need, you know, um, which kind of became this weird introspective activity of like, why am I, why am I doing this? Because it kind of bleeds into other parts of my life when it comes to hobbies or, or anything. Um, and I think we talked about this on a previous episode, about that thrill of the chase, like finding about something new and doing a lot of research about it and making that purchase. Um, it's the lead up to the purchase that's more exciting than getting the item in your hand sometimes. Um, and so I was just curious as to what both of you kind of thought about this topic and, and what are your experiences with all this? I think when probably, how do I think about this in, in terms of, of FOMO and this, you know, 
the chase. In the past, I was really susceptible to the sales pitches and the marketing. Uh, like when I was part of the Field Butts group, I like every time there was a new edition that came out or a special edition, I was right there trying to order it before everyone else. And I got to a point where it was like, obviously, I was not going to be able to do that because I didn't have Wi-Fi that was fast enough. And then eventually it just got to be that I burnt out on it. There was there were so many special editions, so many specials that I just couldn't can get to it all. And I I've become maybe a little salty about marketing in my old age, um, old age, right? Um, and I don't know if you guys caught the um, discussion on erasables about the black wing marketing, and compared to the old version of the original Blackwing, the Eberhard Faber. This no, comes, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it comes up from time to time. Like people will be like, oh, what's the, you know, the correlation between Palomino brand and these artists who use the Blackwing? And really, there's no correlation. There's no connection other than the fact that Palomino bought the trademark and the branding be, or they didn't even buy it. They just swooped in and took it and retrademarked it uh, because they, the Eberhard Faber right. or the parent company had just let it go and had, you know, so there's been like that kind of like really heavy handed marketing, I think, in the community. I mean, if you look back at Moleskin or Moleskina, if you're, you're, you're <laughs> being precise, um, like if you go back to like the early days of, of, Moleskin and how Moto Emoto used to market them. It was very heavy handed. Oh, Chetwin and Picasso and so and so used these notebooks. Well, no, they didn't. They bought those, their notebooks from these tiny manuf, like, like tiny, tiny, like one person book binderies in France. And they bought them from different sources, not Moto Emoto. Moto Emoto simply took the lowercase moleskin, branded it uppercase moleskin, and here we have a brand moleskin instead of like the what the original was, was which was just an oil skin covered pocket sized notebook with decent paper inside that happened to be bound in a uh, butterfly stitch or Smithsone. Like it's it's almost a excuse like terminology a bastardization of what the original was. Not that Palomino is a bastardization. I think Palomino is a little different than moleskin, if you will. But I think that what we FOMO really taps into what people want and what you want to get out of these th- items. Like they they shroud all of this stuff in this cloak of these creative people who produced phenomenal pieces of artwork used our product and you can touch that core of creativity if you only buy a moleskin and a palomino brand 602 you know what i mean like there's it's to me it's very like once i clued into the fact that and this is oh god this is gonna come sounding totally paranoid. Like once I clued into the fact that I was being really susceptible to marketing, I started questioning it all. And I started wondering, do I really need another moleskin? Well, no, also there's that paper issue that they have. But 
you know, I also don't need to buy into every single limited edition that comes out because I'm not a collector. I'm a user. And once I stopped seeing myself as someone who needed to have one of every edition, I started feeling so much better about what it was that I wanted and needed out of these things. And I started making my choices based off of the utility need, performance, cost, and use that I was going to have for these things, which is one of the reasons why I get super stoked about the composition book reviews, because we're talking about 50 cent to $3 notebooks that are standard. And if I, you know, blow through one in a week, like I filled this week, 25 pages of a 50 cent notebook and I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Whereas if I had filled 25 pages in a moleskin, I might be kicking my butt about that because it's like, well, have I written anything of quality? Have I been super creative <laughs> in this notebook that cost $20? You know, yeah. because I, to me, when I and again, this goes back to my history, which I've talked about in the in the podcast before, of being growing up super poor and spending money on something you needed to say, you know, am I using this for the best possible outcome? I don't right, know. like having a hundred and twenty-five dollar planner is just yeah, yeah, not, not where I would be, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's that too. You know, like I, as much as I, 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 I love expensive notebooks, like, and, and I've made, I used to sell $200 journals, hand bound, fancy paper inside, you know, the most elaborate Coptic stitching with braiding on the spine. But at the same, like I could produce those pieces. And to me, those were artwork. Those were pieces of art that I was selling, not just something that I would necessarily use for utility. Am I going to carry around a $200 notebook in my back pocket and fill it full of notes on podcasts or things that I might use in group therapy with my groups? Probably not. Like selling an experience there, not a tool at that point. Right. Like, and you know, to me, like I need to have, like I fill, I fill a pocket notebook biweekly. So Lenore, what about you? I mean, I know that, that you subscribe to um, a couple different things. Um, and you had talked recently about kind of doing a purge of, I think it was at least some of your field notes stuff. Um, so I'm curious as to what you think. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of mirror a little bit of what Les said, because I did have definitely the first couple of years that I had that um, involvement in the stationary world. I was, just jumping on every bandwagon and I wanted to have everything that came out and I was, um, you know, buying lots of stuff on eBay and subscribing to all of the subscription. Well, not all, but you know, a bunch of subscriptions and things like that. And, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I've, I've cut way, way back on that stuff and definitely the, the field notes I've, you know, I, I succumbed for a while because I was in the field nuts group. So, I would find out that something was going to drop and I would try to get it. And, you know, then I would get it and I would look at it and it would be beautiful. And I would go ahead and peel the, um, wrapper off of it a lot of the time because, you know, because I, I did think of myself as someone who was going to use this and not resell it. And now I've got like, I don't know, I probably got 200 field notes and I go through 
maybe 10 notebooks a year. And, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's just field notes. That's not counting fair and fig and write notepads and, um, word notebooks and, um, comfortable shoes studio and all of that, you know, so I've just got, I've got all these massive numbers of notebooks and, you know, a bunch of one-offs because I'm somewhere and I see something cute and, you know, it's, um, I'm on vacation or I'm, you know, I pick up something in a little stationary store or coffee house or whatever. So I've got, you know, all of this paper to write on essentially, you know? Yeah. And some of it, other people would buy for money and some of it they wouldn't. And so, you know, probably if I'm going to get down a little bit, uh, you know, if I'm going to get that back down to a reasonable amount of storing and using, I should sell off the things that I can make money off of because people think that they're valuable for whatever reason, right? Yeah. I mean, it's essentially paper stitched or stapled together. And some of it's quite nice paper with quite quite pretty pictures on it. But, you know, it's it's paper. So, yeah. Um, I was thinking when when we first started talking about this, I was remembering a thing that was in the news a while back about how... Um, shopping, like the act of looking for something to buy and then making a purchase gives you the same kind of endorphin rush that our ancestors would have had over finding a tree full of berries and, you know, starting to pick it clean. You know, <laughs> it's kind of programmed into our chemical balance in our brains to be rewarded for finding something desirable and getting it, right? Yeah. And you know, I think that that's also very parallel to like what you feel on eBay and why people, you know, why people, instead of just thinking about how much this would be worth to them and putting that number in and walking away, you know, people want to like swoop in at the last minute and, you know, make a bid and then they're disappointed if they don't get it or whatever. And I, there's a lot of stuff I don't get on eBay because I, um, decide how much this thing is worth to me and put that number in. And if it's already not enough, then I'm like, okay, well, I don't want it as badly as that person does. And if I, you know, if somebody scoops me at the last minute, like I'm not, I'm not watching the end of the thing. And guess what? I don't have credit card debt. <laughs> so, you know, like I'm not driving up this massive kind of um, backlog of, of spending money on stuff you know, making decisions in the heat of the moment, um, because of, because of watching it and kind of getting caught up in the drama and getting caught up in the endorphins and the, um, excitement and adrenaline of it. And that I, I used to do, you know, I used to do that and, um, you know, and it got expensive and now I have a bunch of stuff that, uh, that I have to kind of curate because I'm never going to use it all. So I've been really trying to be a lot better about the FOMO thing because, you know, I don't have room to put things. And like you said, 95% of my stuff is untouched. And, um, and I didn't, you know, I never wanted to be like that. I never wanted that to be the case. I didn't kind of, I didn't do that on purpose, right? I, um, I always thought that I was a user and not a collector, but then you fall into the thing of thinking that these things have some kind of inherent value. Um, and like we always talk about beanie babies, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to miss out if I don't get this XOXO field notes, right? I got to have that. 
but you know, that's, that's paper stapled together. Um, the other thing I, you guys will get a chuckle out of this. I, I did a little quick Google search while Les was talking a few minutes ago because I was like, Oh yeah, that endorphin thing. And what I found was a bunch of articles from 2010 about how the, you know, the stereotype about women loving to shop and men hating it and about how when, uh, when women are shopping, they're gathering and when men are shopping, they're hunting and it's a really different approach to it because as we all know in human ancestry, all of it, <laughs> women were gatherers and men were hunters, you know, and oh, those Lordy. differences are of oh. course completely stark and immutable and applied to every person alive today as we all know. So yeah, there's a little, uh, you know, gender, uh, anatomy is destiny moment there. Oh, Jesus. Um, can you hear man, me? You know, uh, more innocent times, right? Can you hear me rolling my eyes hard over here? I know I had to, it took me a moment to get mine pointing forward again, but I did. So I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna post a link about the, you know, whole endorphins from shopping thing. And then I was like, I cannot in good conscience actually promote any of these articles that I'm finding right now so never mind <laughs> yeah. yeah let's not so anyway yeah there <laughs> moving yeah. on I mean there's something incredibly intoxicating about that um, you know acquiring things that that others have or that that are that are marketed either through other people like peers or companies that you know, like, man, I got to have this thing, you know, like it happens yeah. to me, not so much with notebooks anymore. Um, it does happen to me with, um, some of the black wings, like this most recent release. I really like them. Um, they're awfully nice. I, I really like this one. It's probably one of my top three just as a tool because I like yeah. the way it feels in my hand. Right. And because there are so few, um, there are so few pentagonal pencils that I hadn't really discovered how much I like the shape of it in my hand. But then for me, um, I like the, we, and we've talked about this before, of course, is I like the weight and balance of the black wing. Um, I think it feels good. And a lot of people think that with the eraser on there, it feels unbalanced and, you know, or too heavy or, or too long or whatever. I love, a, I love the first third of a black wing. Love it. Yes. And, um, and the other pentagonal pencils that are readily available are the, like, they're the gold, like, exam, lucky exam pencils, you know, the yes. Chinese ones. Yeah, they I don't have, have one of those. And they're made of very, very light wood. And they don't feel good to write with to me. So, yeah, this pencil just hits all the sweet spots for me. I even like the finish on it. My daughter didn't like the finish on it. She thought it was too, like, slippery. But You I know, I, this was one of those, like, insta-buy, like, when I met up with, uh, Les and Johnny in Cambridge, I just bought a dozen, like, you know, right away, just because I had to have it. But my my need for these things is fading for two reasons. One, money. Um, but two, like, I don't know, there's just something about being surrounded by all your stuff that you don't get to use, and then you start putting price tags on those things. Like, oh, there's that stack of notebooks I purchased. That could be $100 in my pocket. You know what I mean? So my choice making ability has gotten better, but it's not perfect. Um, I also am pulled a lot with the whole, well, if I buy this pen now, this could pay for something later as in, you know, 
what happened with my pencils, you know, buying limited editions of things and then selling them, you know, and that's not a way to enjoy a hobby. And that's, that's kind of where I began to draw my line when I started to initially think, well, should I buy four dozen of these just so I can make money later? Like, that's not what this is about. So, right. Right. But it's definitely a hard pull, you know, but one, one other question I had, which was my second reason for, for choosing things is aesthetics. How important is it to both of you to enjoy looking at what you're using? Like, for example, think of like your favorite pencil and then think of the ugliest pencil, but your favorite pencil, your ugliest pencil wrote like your favorite pencil. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like does, does the appearance of a product actually make you want to use it more or do you care more about just how it, how it performs? For me, I really like when my stuff looks good, but in terms of pencils, like I, I don't focus so much on it. Like there have been some of the, uh, pen and gear pencils that have some of the shoddiest printing I've ever seen, but I still use them because the core is nice in terms of like notebooks. I care less because I can put them in a case. Like I have um, a Galen leather cover for my composition books. So the fact that my composition books have like the standard cover instead of a fashion cover, I don't care because I can slide it into that thick, beautiful, bright blue leather. And it's cool. (laughs) Like uh, not that I really work so much in the cover, but you know, that, with any notebook, you can always buy a pretty cover for it. With pencils, it's a little different, I guess. I like a pretty pencil. Don't get me wrong. Like the most recent release, the 1001, or is it 10,001? I'm not sure. Um, is a great looking pencil and I love it. And I, I, you know, the, um, Epsara Pop and Joy are some of my favorite pencils out there. But I guess like an ugly pencil doesn't stop me from using it. Not and but I will go for a pretty pencil. I'll reach for a Nataraj marble before I reach for one of those pen and gear. For me, this is. I, I mean, I, people have asked this question before, and I think it's a valid thing to ask. But for me, I mean, it's philosophical because there are so many really pretty, really competent writing implements out there. And I, I mean, I, I can have both. So why do I need to, <laughs> you know, so it's not just about utility for me. I do really enjoy holding an item that's beautiful and makes me smile when I look at it. But it's also not just aesthetic for me because, you know, like that I'm sitting here with a, a VR co fine and candy in my hand and it's a um, kind of vamp lipstick red body with a gold you know the last uh inch and a half of it is is gold dip and it is a gorgeous piece of work i mean it's so pretty i just love it and it makes me smile to look at it and it looks really good with this notebook i'm using but i don't really like the arco pencils they're too light for me like they're too there's not enough weight to them and the core is just okay to me you know i don't love it um, the Blackwing Volume One, on the other hand, you know, great core, love it, feels good in the hand. I never reach for it. 
I mean, it's just homely. It's homely. It does not make me smile to look at that pencil. <laughs> it doesn't make me happy as an object, right? But um, like the 530, the the gold blackwing with the uh, the red ferrule from the 344 on it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I put together some of those when the when I don't remember which one of them came out second, but you know, I put together two or three. Um, you know, with the swapped ferrules so that I had mm-hmm. the gold pencil with the red ferrule. And I kind of did it as a joke because it was like, oh, this is the Christmas pencil, right? But it just made me happy to write with it. And I'm not like a sh- shiny red and gold person. I'm not, you know, I wear black all the time. All of my favorite stuff is black. Um, but that pencil just made me happy. And so I was like, yeah, it's just Christmas. I'm just doing it for Christmas. And then I was like, oh, well, it's my New Year's pencil. And then I was like, well, it's almost Valentine's Day. And then I was just like, screw it. I like this pencil. I'm going to write with it. If I feel like it, I don't have to justify it because it's pretty. <laughs> you know? so, um, so, I mean, I think it's a little, little bit of a false dichotomy because there's so much good stuff out there that if you can't find something that works with both your aesthetic and your, um, you know, the other aspects, the task, the tactile and utilitarian aspects of using those tools, you know, then if you find something that has that mix, maybe you're not trying that hard. But, but then that cycles back around to how when you have too much choice, you're less happy, because you feel like there should be something better out there, right? And so that was the story about kind of how, um, how more choice actually makes us less happy. And, um, there's a great Ted talk about it. And the guy's talking about how, how, um, you know, he went in to buy jeans and since the last time he had bought jeans, jeans shopping had changed completely because they had all of these different fits and all of these different, you know, like there was, there was like this suddenly this whole matrix of variables around jeans that he didn't know there were. And he got completely overwhelmed shopping for jeans you know, and the, the person was like, well, what are you looking for? And he's like, I'm looking for the kind of jeans that used to be the only kind of jeans, right? <laughs> and we all wore kind of the same thing and, you know, whatever. And he said he walked out of the store with what was undoubtedly the best fitting p- pair of jeans he had ever owned in his life. And he was not happy because he just felt like maybe if he had tried harder, there would have been something even better. Like he hadn't really done his job because he settled on these jeans and maybe there was something better. And I think that's also one of the main things that drives FOMO is that you're like, oh, well, maybe that's going to be my thing. Maybe that's going to be my thing. And you never, you know, you kind of lose the ability to think this is a good enough tool for my purposes. Um, and you, I mean, I think for some of us, we have to come back to that consciously. Like we have to literally make it one of our higher brain functions to say, hey, you know what? This is actually fine. This is good enough. I don't need to look for something better, right? Which is the, the exact opposite of what I was just saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that that dichotomy is there. And I think that, um, I, think, I think it's worth acknowledging and I think it's worth um, what, uh, you know, exploring a little bit where a person's limits are. But I don't feel like I need to make a choice between aesthetics and utility because I can get both. And I do get both. And I have a lot of a lot of tools that I enjoy using as tools, but also enjoy using 
you know, enjoy holding in my hand and looking at as objects and, and having them on my table? That's a really long answer to question. Sorry. No, but it's a good one because you're, you're right. I mean, for me, it's kind of like a, a weird thing because I don't pick up things I don't like to look at. So perhaps there are ugly things that work well. So to answer my question for myself, it's kind of like yours. Like, like I can, I can have both and both exist, but I don't know. Like, like when you said like, you know, I'm writing with something and I look at it and I smile because I like the way it looks or, you know, that's, that's what it's all about for me is to use tools that look good to me, that make me feel good writing with them, not just in a tactile sense, but in a kind of like mental feeling sense. Um, not to mention there's like this, this little seed of something I had from, from grade school when you wanted to be the kid with the coolest stuff. Like, Recently, I posted on Instagram a picture of me. I was yesterday. I was at my favorite coffee place, and I took a, a picture of my coffee and a black wing and, you know, a Pollux sharpener. And someone who knows nothing about stationery was like, "Wow, that's really pretty. Like that pencil is really pretty." Um, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's that little bit going on. Not necessarily keeping up with the Joneses or being better than anybody else, but more of like. Yeah, I want to I want to have cool things. I want to have things that look cool. Lenore, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head on what I was trying to get at. Like, no, ugliness doesn't stop me, but I always reach for the prettier thing first because it does make me happy. So, yeah, you got yeah. it. And I have enough of the, the pretty stuff that, you know, that, that I don't end up scraping into. I mean, like, I like the I like the casemates. They're good. I never end up reaching for for them because I don't use stuff up and I, you know, like I don't, I just don't go through that much and I've got a lifetime supply of, you know, of, of black wings and, um, and Apsaras and, you know, the goldfish autocrat. (laughs) (laughs) I've got all this, you know, these, all these kind of really beautiful things that I can reach for. Um, that I never, I, I rarely even hit Steinbeck stage on any given, um, any given pencil because there's always one that's long enough to reach for because I don't use them up. So, you know, I'm never going to end up dipping into the, um, um, into the casemates or the Ticonderogas. It's just, it's just not going to end up happening, which is fine. You know, I mean, it's fine. It, again, this is a relatively cheap hobby as hobbies go and, um, you know, and I'm not, uh, I'm not collecting thousands of dollars worth of fountain pens. I'm not collecting $200 journals and, um, and burning through them. I'm, you know, I'm, my, my needs are modest and my tastes are relatively modest and, <laughs> and I have tools that I enjoy using and that I, you know, and also that I like, I kind of like carrying around. Like I've, I've got my, you know, I was writing in the infinity, the Baron Fig infinity notebook um and it's the one with the the square on the front that i was using for my summer course just kind of to hold all my notes together and um i mean i actually really enjoy carrying that around like i'm happy for other people to see it like you were talking about d right that it's a nice looking piece of equipment whereas if i and i hate to be like this but if i was writing if i was carrying around a 50 cent staples notebook i might feel like i had to defend it to people (laughs) <laughs> right. 
know, even though right. nobody gives a flying Fruit Loop what notebook I'm actually carrying around, right? I would feel like, no, but these are really great. You should read the reviews on them. The paper's well, really good and it doesn't bleed and feather. And, you know, and, but I don't, like, I don't want to be like that, right? Well, it, like, it starts conversations sometimes, but sometimes it backfires. Like, I was sitting at my favorite coffee place about a year ago and I was writing with, like, a stub of a pencil. Like I write with a pencil until it gets low enough to where I can't rest it between my thumb and my pointer finger. And a really nice girl next to me, and I didn't know her, um, said, Hey, I have an extra pencil. Would you like to use it? And I said, no, I have plenty. I'm actually a stationary blogger. And I went on and on about stationary and I, she looked like I was an alien um, so, but it creates conversation, um, because then she's like, oh, well, what, what kind of pencil is that? It was a black wing, you know? And then I usually, I don't know about you two, but I sometimes carry around like freebies, like stuff to give people. Cause if yes, inevitably, if someone says, can I borrow a pencil or a pen? I, I don't need it back. I, I give them something that they're going to enjoy using and maybe, maybe they'll become one of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, wow. but I'm not going to hand them my 211 because they won't appreciate it. Oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> Although sometimes I like to poke the bear. I have a 211 that um, got broken in half. And I'm still going to use both ends of it, but um, I should post that somewhere. Because what is that, like a $20 pencil now? Uh, oh, I don't more like, know. More, more like yeah, 40 30, 30, They are. I should, I they're like sell, so. 30 or 40 was the right? last price I saw of them. Wow. They're stupid expensive. Yeah. So, um, but I think we kind of out talked this, this topic. So if, if either of you have anything else to add, um, I'll entertain that. But if not, I think we're about done. I'm good. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's so nice to be able to talk with people who understand. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, so, I want to take a moment, as always, to thank everyone for their supportive words on the website and Facebook group. I know it's summertime and commenting has been down, but I'm really looking forward to getting back to school, getting back to routines, and seeing that uptick in activity in the group again. Um, it's one of the few reasons I stay with Facebook. Um, so it's just really great to get support from all of you. And I want to give a quick thanks to those who have been giving us reviews on iTunes. Um, I can't tell you off the top of my head how to do that, but I hear that it's not very intuitive, but if you can um, review us on iTunes, it just helps us um, become a little bit more visible and gives other people an idea of what they might be listening to. So you can find the podcast online at rsvpstationarypodcast.com and you can find me, D, at theweeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at theweeklypencil. What about you, Les? You can find me at ComfortableShoesStudio.com, Facebook at ComfortableShoesStudio, Instagram and Twitter at Original LC Harper. What about you, Lenore? Oh, you can mostly just find me through Facebook. But, you know, if you really want to interact with me, there you go. Otherwise, Les and D know how to get in touch with me if there's anything important. <laughs> yes. We'll send up the <laughs> black wing signal. That's it. Yeah, you can, you can send me a telegram. <laughs> All right. Until next time, guys. It's been great. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Bye.